You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back to the drawing board here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation, as well as Dime Magazine. And you can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Most importantly, though, you can follow our show on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns, where you can tell me what adjustment you would make for game four of the Suns Lakers series. Suns now down. 2-1 to one to the Los Angeles Lakers after a loss on the road, 109-95, one that looked out of reach even worse than that in the third quarter. A late run cuts it to 8 at one point for the Suns. Lakers eventually close it out and gives us a lot to talk about. Uh, I will give you guys a couple of things that I think might be useful adjustments and Some stuff we actually did see the Suns try in this game, so I'll get to that in just a second. A reminder first, though, guys, today's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join us this week on Friday at noon to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Okay, let's let's dive into um, Game 3 here. 109-95 loss, as I said, and... Some things were the same. DeAndre Ayton has still only missed seven shots in the entire series. He continues with his double-double streak here, continues to play pretty well on the glass, defend Anthony Davis fairly well without fouling, one of the only players on the team who can do that. We saw the Suns forcing turnovers, getting out in transition. That was something... That was fairly successful for them and generating a fair amount of open threes, which has been, you know, maybe not in the 30 to 40 range like there were sometimes during the regular season, but at the very least in the 20 to 30 range, most of them pretty open. They were 11 of 29. They were very much lower than that when it comes to efficiency for most of the night because they have not been making those threes, but that was another positive that held through. So, a 14-point loss is not what you want, but the Suns were only down three going into the half, and the third quarter is really the the defining point in this game. LeBron James started to get downhill in transition, and Anthony Davis got to the free throw line an incredible amount again, 14 times after getting to the line 21 times in Game 2. The Suns are not going to survive fouling Davis that often. That's just not going to work. That was another thing consistent from game two, but in the negative. So I don't think this is um, panic time. I don't think that this is the end of the series. It did look bad there in the third quarter, but if you look on the whole, that third quarter is one of the only blemishes on the Suns' entire resume in this series. The first two games were single-digit games. The Suns won one of them. They are still only being outscored in total across the whole series, despite being down 2-1 to one by 12 points. So this is not the game you wanted to play in Game 3, not the game where you were you know, hoping to reclaim home court advantage or, or even that up at the very least. It's, it's, 
it's hard to be down to LeBron James in a playoff series. Like, do not get me wrong. This is not a great situation, but I don't think that it's a panic. I was watching this game. I I went out with a friend because I have not gotten to watch a basketball game like that in a very long time, partially going to so many Suns games when they're home and then not, you know, regular season NBA games not worth going out for and watched the Super Bowl with some people but didn't get into much of that in the NFL season either. Hadn't been vaccinated yet and all that. So now I went out and I was looking forward to a close game. You know, one and two were so awesome and the air got sucked out of the room. I mean, quite frankly, there were not a lot of Lakers fans there and it was really rowdy in the first half. You know, people screaming for Aiton alley-oops and uh, loving it every time Anthony Davis fell or was hacked and uh, put on a little bit of a performance there to draw some some contact and get the calls he wanted. And, and it was fun. It was cool to be there. There were a ton of Suns fans. And quite frankly, like I said, in that third quarter, the air just got sucked out of that room. People started to leave. It was it was a uh, it was not a good moment. And that's what this team can do to you. And that's what I really came away thinking that uh, and by this team, I mean the Lakers, they just can be demoralizing in that way. And and my takeaway here was the Suns let that affect them. It was it was very, very good to see them bounce back the way that they did in that fourth quarter, led by campaign, who I'll get to more in a moment. And that's the that's the troubling part. If there's anything to walk away disappointed with from this game, it's that. It's the fact that when Davis was getting to the line, when LeBron was scoring and, and things were not going the Suns' way, I wouldn't say they folded, but they definitely let their emotions get the best of them and got down, um, just just got down on themselves. I, I think you saw it with, with Booker. I had given him so much credit. I even during this game was tweeting it that he deserved a lot of kudos for not allowing his emotions to get the best of him and not getting frustrated with calls that may or may not have gone his way. And that all fell apart. Uh, technical foul on him and then a flagrant two. And similarly with Jay Crowder, although the the performance that LeBron was putting on and the way the bench was getting, I mean, that would piss anybody off. And, and I don't necessarily blame Jay for whatever happened. He did get the technical foul. The game was mostly out of reach then. And I think he was, to be honest, sort of standing up for his own dignity at that point. I don't really get too much on him for that. But it's fair to say that there were moments where the Suns just started to crumble in that third quarter. And that's the bad thing. If there's anything to be down about, it is that. And that's what I came away worried about after this game is, if the Lakers have a lead, if the calls start to go the Lakers way and, and there's momentum and they go on a big run, the Suns were never out of this game. Let's just put it that way. I mean, I think the lead may have gotten to 18 at its highest, but that was mostly in the third in the fourth quarter until the Suns made their run. That third quarter, most of the time, it was settled around 15, 10 to 15, 12, whatever. And it was no by no means done. And whether it was Chris Paul having to leave after falling the way that he did or uh, the fouls and the, the run and everything else that the Lakers put together, the Suns just sort of did not have the wherewithal and the, the sort of up, uplift to, to keep their cool. And that's frustrating. And, and that's the thing that can't happen in game four. 
because the Lakers are going to do this. And they're this this game is we already know the location of it. That's that's the one thing we can be certain of. And it's not going to be in Phoenix. It's another road game, and they can't let that happen to themselves. Particularly Booker, particularly the leaders on this team, Jay Crowder included. Yes, I just you know gave him some credit, but he was not his usual self defensively in isolation in that last half. In that second half, he had five fouls even before you consider the technical. So this was not the metal that we're used to from the Suns, the the sort of uh, hustle and toughness mentally and all of those things. They just did not bring that tonight in that second half. And that's if if we're going to get into the semantics, because I, I obviously, you know, I like to break things down, but more than anything else, I think that's why the Suns came out of this game feeling, uh, it, I think the vibe on online and, and just what I was getting from you tweeting at Locked on PHX Suns with all of you is that it it, it was it was a, a, a little bit of a, a head hanger. It was it was a, a demoralizing game for fans. And, and the fact that you could see that from the players is something that you hope flips in game four. But there will be a lot of things that can flip and will have to flip in game four. We'll get into more of them in just a second. First, though, a quick word from Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the planet. My favorite Built Bar, or my favorite protein bar. Uh, my favorite Built Bar, which I was also going to mention, is double chocolate. But there's a ton of flavors for everybody. If you like that nuttiness with your protein bars, coconut, coconut almond, and peanut butter brownie are there for you. There's also cherry and raspberry for those who like the tangy and the fruit types of flavors. But all of them, all of them are low calorie, high protein, and low sugar. They give you what you need in terms of that protein without weighing you down with too many calories or sugar, making it feel like, okay, am I actually getting something healthy? Yes, with Built Bar, you are. With the competitors, with the other ones, not always the case. Either they're gross, which is the case for a lot of them, or they put so much sugar in them that they're not healthy at all. Built Bar threads that needle, gets you what you need without weighing you down, and it's a perfect pick-me-up before or after a workout for those of you doing that. Maybe you're getting out and hiking. Maybe you uh, finally trying to lose that, that pandemic weight. Whatever it is, Built Bar can help you get that energy, get that re- rejuvenation to get it done. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Real quick here, before I get to the first adjustment that I liked from Game 4 that I want to see continue in, or liked in Game 3 that I want to see continue in Game 4, I want to shout out a few that I'm not going to break down in depth here, but I will give uh, Monty, the coaching staff, the players credit for executing fairly well. One, more Torrey Craig. It worked. We all had a hunch it would. Yes, you look at the numbers. The Suns were minus 12. I think partially that's because Craig was on the floor during a lot of that third quarter run. Um, I would not look into that minus 12, that plus minus too much in this case. I don't actually think it can be a pretty useful stat as long as you're smart about where and how you use it. But in this case, I just think it's misleading. I I don't feel like that accurately represents how effective Craig was when he was on the floor. First of all, he's a more willing and, and able shooter than most guys on this team right now. He's, he's confident he's at least going to let it fly. Do I trust him as much as a Mikhail Bridges or a Jay Crowder, even though those guys have been cold lately, or at least not getting up the volume you'd like in, in the case of Bridges? Of course not. I still think those guys are more trustworthy, but Craig coming in cold, not playing much in this series and putting up five 
in 15 minutes is what you want. And so that helped defensively. I don't think he's an awesome matchup for LeBron. We saw that against Denver last year in the playoffs, but you know, can he check that guy a couple times in a game? Can he guard AD a couple times in a game? Can he switch late in the clock? Yes. I don't think you're worried about him getting completely brutalized. It's just, you don't want him being the primary option there. That brings us to the other addition or the other adjustment that I didn't love as much, but it didn't end up hurting the Suns. So probably something we could see in game four, which is Frank Kaminsky played seven minutes for him, basically just most of the Dario minutes and Craig got some of those as well. It was really the seven minutes that DeAndre was not on the floor. We talked about that in our last show getting you ready for game three. So I suppose I was right a little bit in that the Suns would be more aggressive trying to not lose the minutes when Aiton was off the floor. Unfortunately, Aiton himself got, the Suns got outscored by 14 when he was in there and defensively was not quite as stout, I don't think, as he had been. So Kaminsky did not get killed, although the Aiton minutes were not as fortuitous for the, uh, or fruitful for the Suns as they had been. So Kaminsky did not get attacked in the pick and roll. He did not get attacked at the rim. I think the Lakers were just honestly not really worried about trying to pinpoint that matchup, especially because in the first half, it just wasn't necessary. It wasn't urgent enough. It wasn't desperate enough for the Lakers to do that. But we did see Kaminsky play. It did not go terribly. And therefore, I feel as if we probably will see him again in game four for the time when Aiden is not out there. However, I will just add one more thing on that. Kaminsky did not did not get a single rebound, and that's the main reason Monty wants to go big in those minutes, the reason we have not seen Torrey Craig at the five, and the Lakers, for the most part, are still playing a heavy dose of centers. Drummond and Gasol played a combined 37 minutes in this game. So it was really, I guess, I, I don't think either one, I don't think they played together, so it was 11, only 11 minutes when AD was at the five, you want to stay big because the Suns got out-rebounded by 15, uh, 16 in this game. So I think we will see Monty still want to go big when Aiton is not out there, and I think Kaminsky will probably be the answer even if he did not grab any rebounds tonight. Sharich had definitely not been contributing there either, so I don't think it's a lose-lose a little bit on the glass, but at least Kaminsky wasn't as mistake-prone as Sharich had been. That that does bring us, though, to the, the one I wanted to really dive into and highlight here, which is we saw it late in the game. It's something that I wrote about for Bright Side of the Sun heading into the series, and it's something that I um, talked about on the podcast a lot, and I've, I've gone back to it a couple times talking about these games, one and two, and now it really reared its head in the final moments of game four. You may uh, Three, you may not have noticed it, at first, but but here's what happened. So when Gasol was out there to close the game or in the last really competitive moments of the game, we saw the Suns put Jay Crowder on LeBron. That's not something we really had seen up to this point in the series. And it was it was that way for quite a bit of this game. Um, Mikhail Bridges with, with, with LeBron finally starting to put his head down and get to the basket. He was excellent there tonight and took 14 twos. He was not as reliant on his jump shot. Once that started happening, Monty had to adjust. The adjustment was to take Bridges off of him, put Crowder on him. But what we saw in those closing moments that I think we'll at least see more of, I don't know 
how effective it will be. That that remains to be seen. I'm optimistic, but I don't think the portions of this game where we saw it were competitive enough to draw any conclusions from it. What that was, was Bridges defending Gasol, Ayton defending Davis, and Crowder defending LeBron. It's not exactly what I had predicted. I thought that Bridges would hold up well enough against LeBron that we could see Crowder do that, basically defending a Marcus Gasol type or even an Andre Drummond type, or Montrezl Harrell, who has disappeared from this series. So, if it is going to be Bridges, which I like that in some ways as well, especially when it's Gasol rather than Drummond, because Gasol is not really at a point in his career where he's going to post you up. The Lakers never really run stuff like that, with Gasol actually looking to score from the low block. So, I like the idea of Bridges defending in space, kind of where... Ever Gasol is stationed behind the perimeter, behind the arc on the perimeter, and then playing sort of a free safety. Is he going to be able to help with the rim? No, but can he play passing lanes? Can he get to the nail where the Suns like to give extra help? Can he double a LeBron or an Anthony Davis off of Marcus Gasol? Yes, and I think that's what you're going to see in Game Four is Crowder on. LeBron a little bit more if LeBron starts to try to drive, which we will expect to see. And Aiton has been just about the only guy who can do much of anything on Anthony Davis. Most of Crowder's five fouls were on Davis, and that is not really working right now. So you want Aiton as much as possible on AD. You want Crowder as much on as possible on uh, James. And so what that leaves you is Bridges on a center especially when Drummond is out of the game. And I like that. I think we could see the Suns have some more help defense effectiveness if they go that route. The Lakers still are not making any threes, so it's really just the Stars beating you, but the Suns need to change things up. They need to show those guys different looks and more help in the form of Mikhail Bridges, one of the best help defenders in the league, is a great way to do that. So I think we will see it. And I think it can have some success, and we did see it in the waning moments of Game 4. So something to continue to keep an eye on. Rather than go to Cam Johnson when Bridges was not on James like we saw in Game 2, Crowder was a little bit more effective, I think. Was LeBron clowning on him and and kind of making a show out of it, making a performance out of it? Yes, but look, we know Crowder physically is one of the best the best guys to match up with LeBron, whether LeBron had success or not tonight. And so I think we'll see Monty go back to that. And I like the configuration he used with Bridges roaming around a little bit more. When it is Drummond, things get a little bit tough. You almost want you, you almost need Aiton to be on him, although I do still think Crowder is an option there. And that's where this, the Lakers have been doing some damage because they're controlling the glass and because Davis has been pretty good about, even when the floor is not spaced, being able to get to the line. It's a, it's a tough puzzle, but that's something to keep an eye on. Okay, one more thing for you guys. It's an obvious one, but I want to talk about it, and it's a good way to talk about the Chris Paul situation. So we'll do that right after one more quick break. But first, a word from betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and the NBA and NHL are in the thick of their playoff races. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info available at Bet Online. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. I will be 
all over Bet Online in the coming weeks, getting ready for the French Open, which made some news from Naomi Osaka's decision not to do press, but also is just one of my favorite events of the year. I love the clay and I love, uh, I just love tennis in the biggest, biggest moments. It's also fun to bet on because I don't know too much, so I don't get in my own head and I just love it. So check out French Open odds, check out golf odds, head to the website, guys. That's where you will find it or on their mobile app. Make an account today at Bet Online and use the promo code LOCKED ON when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Reminder that promo code is LOCKED ON for a 50% welcome bonus. Today's show is also brought to you by Rock Auto. As I told you this week, I'm getting ready for my trip to Summer League in the first weekend of August. I'm so, so glad we are getting Summer League back in our lives. But I also know myself, and most of all, I know my car, and I want to be sure that what I'm getting is going to get me through the summer. I'm going to be taking road trips. I'm going to be driving more, doing stuff. It's been a while, but I want the car to get me where I need to go and have it be reliable. RockAuto.com is the place that I go. It also helps me save money when I get to the destination and want to enjoy myself. So, rockauto.com is simple. You just type in the name of your car, you scroll through the products available, always cheap, always low prices, and consistent prices. They do not change based on what the market is doing or whether you're a pro versus a do-it-yourselfer. They're the same, they're reliably low, and rockauto.com is a family business, so they keep it simple. No account necessary, no extra fees. It is very, very simple. You get the shipping info, you pay for what that's going to cost. You get the price. You get the part for a low price, and it's at your door within days. I cannot recommend it enough. Go to rockauto.com right now, folks. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. The last recommendation, observation, uh, adjustment that I have for all of you heading into game four is the hero of games two and three, the guy who was responsible in large part for the runs that the Suns were able to make. So just to get the Chris Paul part out of the way before we get to that man whose name you obviously I'm sure have already guessed is campaign. Uh, let's talk about the Chris Paul stuff. So Starts this game sort of against all odds. I did predict he would play. I felt like if he was ready, he was going to be out there. And the Suns have been so quick to take him off the floor when he's not ready, when he's not able to perform, that there's no reason not to try it. He was not as damaging in this game, I don't think. However, at the same time, you also can make the case the Lakers were just not guarding him and he's not willing to shoot. I don't know if he has the strength in that arm to get a shot to the basket from three-point range. We did see him take a few more mid-rangers today. And that's good to see, but the Lakers just straight up ignoring him. Mike Vigil on Twitter from the Timeline podcast had a good screenshot of the attention the Lakers were able to send at Devin Booker. Whoever was on the wing, which was Crowder most often, and uh, Paul often in the corner, were just getting completely ignored because Crowder cannot make a three for the life of him right now, and Paul just doesn't seem able to shoot. So... That's where the damage is showing up from Paul being incapacitated to whatever degree he is. And campaign solves a lot of that. He's been excellent as a shooter in this series, both off the ca- off the bounce and off the catch. He is confident 
with his shot, which was a big issue for this team today. Nobody wanted to shoot for a lot of the moments in this game, which is not going to work. It just isn't. I gave the same props to Torrey Craig for being willing to let it fly. The same is true for campaign. So I think the obvious adjustment here is maybe even more campaign. Do you start pain and bring Paul off the bench? Is that even, is that even possible? Do you potentially start pain and the other two guards? I don't think that's really workable, but I guess where I come down is just to have an even quicker trigger. Paul and Payne played the same amount of minutes today, and I would say if Paul still looks like he's not able to shoot and the Lakers are ignoring him and all the rest, then Payne might need to just get more minutes. You might need to be even quicker to pull Paul and have Payne be your point guard if it's not working. Game four is a must-win game. The Suns are not coming back down 3-1 to to LeBron James. They need to win game four, so campaign might give you the best odds to do that. If if Chris Paul in the first five, six minutes of game four doesn't look like he can do this, put pain in the game then. Don't wait and do the normal rotation and then pull Chris Paul only when you have no other option. It needs to happen, and you should be aggressive hunting when you can do that. Whenever the Lakers downsize, whenever they have three guards or wings on the line on the floor rather than just LeBron at the three, any of those moments are extra time you can steal with Payne and Paul or Payne and Booker and Paul all on the floor together. You want to have Payne anytime Paul's not on the floor. Obviously, campaign will be out there. He has been the Suns' probably third best player in this series behind Booker and Ayton and you need to get him on the floor more. Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton played 41 minutes each, so if Campaign is your third best player right now, you need to have him far closer to 41 than he is to 21, and that's just not happening right now. So I don't think there's an obvious and easy solution because the Lakers are so big, but maybe can Campaign just guard Kyle Kuzma? Sure. Can he guard Wes Matthews? Sure. So Don't be afraid to put him out there because he's one of the only players that is making the Lakers adjust. Uh, He's a good shooter. He's spacing the floor. You have to guard him. He can get to the basket. He plays like hell on defense. He had four steals today, including the, the plays he had on top of the plays he had made earlier in the series. So that's an obvious one, I think, based on how well Payne has played, but it's something that needs to happen for the Lakers, uh, for the Suns to, 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 uh, preeminent, uh, not preeminently, but be ahead of the curve with their adjustments. We're, we're seeing the, the Suns respond to the Lakers. We're not seeing a lot of the opposite and potentially that's just what's going to happen with a team that has Davis and James. You're going to sort of respond to how well they are playing the way that they are playing before you do anything. But we're seeing what works and what doesn't. We've seen three games. We've seen uh, 144 minutes of this series, and it's time for the Suns to go to what is working. So we talked about that defensively with the matchups and Bridges guarding somebody like Gasol. And we, on the offensive end, Payne is such an obvious driver of good offense for this team right now that we need to see it. A couple more things on the offensive side. Booker is uh, just needs to be better. I mean, I think he will be. He was in foul trouble. He was missing shots that he normally makes. I don't. I didn't really feel as if the Lakers did 
anything terribly different in the pick and roll on him. It was a lot of the same where he's able to get down around the free throw line and then Ayton or Drummond will get a hand in his face because Soul will get a hand in his face. The real difference was leaving Chris Paul and leaving Crowder and just crowding Devin Booker. So that's tough um, and it is going to require an adjustment, but he was getting a lot of the same shots that he had been. He just was not converting them. So he needs to be better. And Jay Crowder, of course, just needs to make shots. If he's not up to that task, then it's going to be more Cam Johnson. It's going to be more Torrey Craig. It's just, it's uh, it's urgency time right now. Monty has, has had a very long leash for some of these things. As I said with Chris Paul, if he doesn't look right, he will get extra days. I will not talk to you guys until game four. Uh, before game four happens, I will be back recapping that game. Similarly, Chris Paul gets all of those days to recover, and so that should help. But if he's not if he's not right, Payne needs to come in. If Crowder's not making shots, then you need to get him off the floor, or at least if he is on the floor, put shooters around him. You need to uh, have a plan for DeAndre Ayton when he's off the floor. If that if Kaminsky's getting attacked, you try Craig at the five. You try Sharich again on the floor. You you go to Jalen Smith for a curveball like. This is guerrilla warfare in, in the NBA sense of that phrase because you cannot afford to lose game four. And if you are going to lose it, you sure as hell do not want the reason you lose that game to be that you did not try stuff that may have worked. That's where we are. More pain, more creativity with the defensive matchups. Booker needs to step up. And Mikhail Bridges, it'd be nice if we saw the version of him that we saw at times. This guy has not been an offensive factor much at all in this series. And we all talked about how big he needed to be. That's still true. If there's any game to step up, it's going to be game four. He's not comfortable. He is a culprit, if there is one, of not wanting to take shots when he's open. This stuff needs to be fixed. They need to play with a sense of urgency. They cannot let the the emotions get to the best of them. And that's a recipe to win. This team is good enough to beat this Lakers team on the road in a winner win or die situation. We know that they're good enough. LeBron James still in this game where he looked so so good compared to how he had looked was less than 50% from the field, one of 5 from deep, only 3 free throw attempts and only scored 21 points, had 7 turnovers. This is not the unbeatable 40 point triple double god LeBron James. This is a hobbled version of of LeBron James. This is a Anthony Davis who is very much reliant on the free throw line right now. All of these things are holes that you can poke in the Lakers game and there is an opening to still win this series. So enjoy your weekend. Don't think too much about this series. Enjoy game four and I will be back with you right after the buzzer of that game recapping it all. Let's hope the result is a little different at the very least than it was tonight.